Molly looked at her three daughters, each bent over their needlework and bit her lip to suppress a smile. She felt quite sure that Catherine, the youngest and possessor of wild chestnut curls, would be the first to fling aside her embroidery with a wail. She would undoubtedly have pricked her finger, knotted her thread, or discovered that she had run out of space to complete the word she was stitching. Sally, the eldest, and named after Molly's mother, had inherited her father Charlie's height and dark eyes, and was guaranteed to carry on methodically until she was told to stop. If she was given a task, she liked to complete it, and it went without saying that the work would be neat, the stitches precise. Agnes, aged almost ten, exactly fifteen months older than Catherine, and fifteen months younger than Sally, had stopped to gaze out of the window. Molly guessed that she was wondering what creative touch she could add to her sampler. She'd already included an oak tree at the side of the grand building that represented Woodchurch Manor, just visible across the fields from the window of the kitchen where they were sitting. Sally had been shocked by this flight of fancy, while Catherine had been envious. Sparrows were squabbling in the cherry tree outside their own window as they stitched, and Molly had a feeling their likeness would appear in her middle daughter's work. Indeed, Molly noticed that Agnes had chosen some brown thread from the selection on the table and had bent over her work once more. The thread was almost the exact shade of Agnes's hair. Thank goodness there are only five of us, Ma, Sally said. I've added your name and Pa's and there's just room enough for the three of us across the bottom. She held out her work for Molly to see. Under the neatly stitched mansion, she'd included Molly Dawson and Charles Dawson in tiny cross stitches, either side of the year of their marriage, 1792. Below this, she was stitching the names of herself and her sisters, leaving just enough room next to her own name to add the current year, 1805. Molly smiled to see the unusual formality of the name Charles, used for her husband instead of Charlie. Then her lips began to tremble, and her eyes filled with tears. Sally's own smile faded, and she looked down at her work, then back at her mother. Have I done something wrong? she asked. She looked rather as though she might cry too. Agnes and Catherine had both laid down their samplers and were watching, worry creasing their brows. No, no, it's beautiful. Molly was at pains to reassure her eldest daughter. You've put so much work into it. Why, you've all but finished. She glanced quickly at Agnes and Catherine. You've all worked really hard today. Just another half hour and then we can put them away. Molly put down her own sewing and moved to the window to gaze out over the fields. She'd been living in this cottage, one of a terrace tied to the Woodchurch Manor estate, for thirteen years now. Charlie was the head gardener and would be hard at work somewhere in the grounds or perhaps in a meeting with Mr Powell, the owner of Woodchurch Manor, going over the latest plans. Despite the passage of time, she was still, every so often, floored by the terrible memory of the child who wasn't there, whose name wouldn't be stitched into the family sampler. Her darling boy, whom she had left at the Foundling Hospital in London, two years before her marriage. Left behind when he was but a few weeks old. She had never told Charlie of his existence, although when she had given up her baby, she had been determined to reclaim him at the first possible opportunity. 
Indeed, for the first two years, she'd scrimped and saved, hoping to find enough money to make reparation for his care. But she hadn't been able to make a respectable home for him, and when her savings were stolen, she'd fallen into despair. As time passed, she'd tried to convince herself that with a new name and undoubtedly no memory of her, he was better off without her. A small part of her knew, though, that this was no excuse. How could she explain him to Charlie, to her own family, and now, of course, to his half-sisters? She still had her portion of the token she'd left behind with him at the Foundling Hospital, her unique mementos that would allow her to reclaim him. She knew that Charlie would have given her the money needed to repay the hospital for a boy's care, but she had never asked for it. And she had never visited London in all the years since she had left it, although Charlie went frequently on Mr Powell's business. Molly rarely strayed far from the environs of Woodchurch Manor. 